if your eight-year-old you could walk right up to you and ask you one question, just one question, what do you think he would say? Do you ever play anymore? Do you ever have fun anymore? Come out, come out, come out, come out and play with me. Come out and play for a change. Welcome to Playing for a Change. This is your host, Brandy Heather. This podcast is dedicated to navigating life's messiness and unpredictability, where we use play as a catalyst for change and connection. Come on in. This playground is for everyone. On the playground today, I want to talk about foreplay. Yes, you can certainly have a little giggle on that one. However, I really do want to discuss what has to happen or be in place before we can be playful. If you've listened to the previous podcast, you'll know that my absolute belief is both backed by research and experience. I believe that play can be a catalyst to our potential, to rebuilding communication, rebuilding resilience, and connecting back to our authentic strengths and gifts. But unlike children, we don't jump into play as easily as adults. You see, even under the most terrible conditions, children play. In post-war bomb sites and mass poverty, children find play. It's a natural escape from reality and a way to make sense of senselessness. But it's also practice for navigating new realities and physically exploring what's left and thinking your way around and between things, having to rely on others and creating your own and maybe different path forward. Have you ever watched children as they create a game or or fantasy play in a space where there just seems to be no setup for play? Hardware stores and junkyards and, well, your office and restaurants. Just the other day, I was watching a hockey game at a local arena and I came across a large A-frame sign that said, No playing. Parents, please keep your children under control in this area. And I had to laugh as this space was a beautiful, wide open viewing area with an incredible checkered floor. The tiles went from gray to white to black and there were benches to hide under and the sign itself was the perfect tent. So it was like someone had said, we've set up this great space for your imagination. Please refrain from using it. And I I thought about this week's podcast and I giggled and thought, we set up the foreplay. And then we said, don't play here. You see, children don't need foreplay. They can find it anywhere. But adults, we need some foreplay. We need to think about what happens before people can be in a space where they can think freely, be themselves, and remove filters that often keep us stifled. So how do you set up adult foreplay? Well, the first thing we know is that play cannot happen in the presence of fear. Play cannot thrive in a place where our bodies and minds are experiencing actual fear or anxiety. And I don't mean stress because a certain level of stress can actually drive play for many people. How many people do you know that will tell you their best work is done against a deadline and they thrive on the stress, that level between, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose control 
and it's almost perfect. You know these people. Their play is being on that roller coaster, scared at the top and then at the height of excitement as the fear gains running down the roller. Whew, I can't talk about it. And they can't wait for the next moment. And they dread it at the same time. It's not everybody's play, but actual anxiety, physiological, psychological anxiety and fear that makes us sometimes incapable of processing and reflecting and working clearly to our potential, that cannot be present for us to be in play. This is the fear of saying something wrong or doing something incorrectly or always worried that someone is watching or listening or filtering and considering every answer and sacrificing what we really feel in order to please someone else or satisfy expectations. In these spaces, you will not find your play or your voice or your potential. Do you ever play anymore? for sure is that play is voluntary. It cannot be forced or coerced. It's a voluntary act. And even though we can set up all sorts of applied play experiences, we cannot make people play. You see, good foreplay is an invitation. Remember birthday invitations? As a kid, this was an incredibly big thing. Whether you made them from paper and scissors with cutouts, or you had the store-bought Sesame Street ones, or Bugs Bunny, or... Okay, back to the podcast. You put your friends' names on them, and, and people you hoped would come, and people you wished would come. And no matter how the birthday invitation routine went, there was almost always someone who didn't get invited who thought they might, and someone who got invited, who thought they wouldn't, and someone you were sure was going to come, who didn't. If you've ever been a part of this triangle, the the inviter or the invitee or the not invited invitee, then you understand we can create foreplay through invitation. Because there was nothing better than to have someone put their invitation on your desk at school or in your school bag and sent home. And there was no feeling like looking through your bag for your invitation to find out you hadn't been invited. What if we remembered that feeling when we took a look at managing complex problem-solving and change management, and how to bring people together into an inclusive space versus a divisive space. What if our invitations, brightly colored and cut out with sparkles and glue, invited everyone so that we set up foreplay way before the actual meeting or play or party as this might be? You see, the invitation is a huge part of the foreplay for adults. Have you ever watched on a playground as a, a parent tries to coerce their son or daughter to go ask kids if they can play? Go ask those kids if you can play with them. And then one child moves out of play to reach out a hand and include this child from the sidelines without them having to cross that trail of sand and ask. You see, that brave skill comes from having had another hand reached out to them at some point in some time when they were scared to ask if they could play. Invitation. Considering the invitation before the play is key to finding the play. Do you ever play anymore? Do you ever have fun anymore? 
know is that in play, play is the goal. The act is the play. You see, my daughter loves to create slime. And if you have not heard of this, it's a combination of elements including things like Elmer's glue and contact lens solution, liquid soap, and every other combination of liquid elements that create, well, a sensory circus of what in my world as a kid would have been silly putty. You remember silly putty. It was plastic, stretchy, slimy, unknown substance that came in a plastic egg and it never came out of carpets. But if you rolled it into a ball, it actually bounced. I still to this day have no idea what was in Silly Putty. But my 12-year-old daughter and most of her friends make this now from scratch. They are science experiments gone mad. They are trying to create the ultimate color, smell, texture, and I always hope not taste, of the perfect slime. My house is a combination of plastic containers filled with experiments in slimology. But what I know is that the play is the thing. The mixing, the inventing, the finding out what color we can make, the creation and the creating is the play. When you watch it, it ignites every sense. And when it is done, they have created something that they can play with in a way that they like it, which is very individual. But here's what has to happen before it's play. They have to crave the sensory experience of this thing. I'm not sure how many people, I can tell you, look at the end product of slime and want to put their hands in, but the drive for this engagement is a huge part of the play. So play is motivated by a personal affinity for the experience. When was the last time you thought of your work as this incredible experience? We set up a table in our basement for slime production because if we didn't, it was happening in our bathrooms and in our kitchen. People were asking why we would set up a slime table in our basement with a series of mixing bowls and wooden spoons and impossible safe ingredients, but we learned very fast that she was driven to play in this way and that trying to tell her not to would have been futile. So we guide the creativity and creating space for it to give her the best place to explore that doesn't take down our house. We understood before she could play, she needed to know that she was free to make a mess in her space, that she wasn't having to hide making the slime. And that's a whole other podcast where the slime goes when it doesn't work. But when people feel they can try and experiment and risk without fear, they will play and persist in a way that you have never seen until they find that perfect recipe for success. My daughter has made what she calls the perfect slime a thousand times. And I can tell you that the end goal was as much a part of the play as the process They have to be exposed to the ability to experiment, to try it out and have it not work and to persist and keep trying. So what does your perfect play environment look like? What needs to be in place so that you can feel free to experiment, to risk, to think outside the parameters with a new lens and different ingredients and imagine things in a different way? What does your play environment look like when you get lost in a moment or an experience. Peter Gray's research on play says that adults can test the degree to which their work is play by asking themselves this, if I could receive the same pay, have the same prospects for future pay, the same amount of approval from people, 
and the same sense of doing good for the world for not doing this job, would I quit? It's the age old, if you won the lottery tomorrow, would you still do your job? And Gray says, if the person would eagerly quit, the job is not play. To the degree that the person would quit reluctantly or not quit, the job is play. It is something that the person enjoys independently of all the outside rewards received for doing it. This week, let's consider the foreplay. What we do that sets people up to imagine, to not filter their response, and to speak from a place of genuine connection and strength without the fear of failure or judgment. Let's return to play and start to create a lasting change. That's all from the playground today. Come back and play next week when we will be moving on to how mental health is and can be affected by finding our play. At amp to play we're transforming the way business, education, and healthcare develop authentic and sustainable diversity and inclusion programs and services. Connect with us at amptoplay.com to learn more. If your eight-year-old you could walk right up to you and ask you one question, just one question, what do you think he would say? Do you ever play anymore?